and he explained. Why are we slandering the French? <laughs> oh, I will slander the French. I mean, I will definitely slander the French, but why in this situation specifically? Welcome to the Singsations podcast. My name is Eliza, and before I watched this episode, I had heard Afternoon Delight, but not Landslide. That's absolute insanity. I cannot believe you've never shared that with me before. Yeah, I'd never heard. The first time I heard Landslide was on Glee. Hi, my name is Olive, and I want it known that if last episode was the biphobia episode, this episode is the acephobia episode. Yeah. Yeah, that was really blatant. They fully said, like, Emma Pillsbury is not allowed to be asexual. She's just a frigid bitch. The only reason someone wouldn't want to have sex is because they're afraid, not because they don't. Um, The only reason someone wouldn't want to have sex is because they're actually in love with Will Schuster. I, I would, at that point, I would rather you just call me a slur. Don't call me in love with Will Schuster. How dare you? That is a slur. All right. Well, speaking of Emma Pillsbury, we open up this episode, which is uh, the episode title is Sexy. So which, as you can, can tell- I just tell you, having to Google my stupid little brain, um, I didn't Google like Glee season two episode, whatever. I literally just Googled Glee sexy. And I don't want to talk about the results that came up when you Google that. Like, as you would expect from the title, so many things that are not appropriate for the underage- characters happen in this episode so many things we open on a celibacy club meeting which is now being run by emma pillsbury which does bring up a question i don't believe we've asked before was there a teacher in charge of celibacy club at the beginning no. of the show Not no it was, it was just a bunch of teenagers like grinding on each other with a balloon in between them now there's a teacher the only members of the club now are rachel and quinn though and Rachel is basically just using it as an excuse to, like, both avoid Finn and grill Quinn on her relationship with Finn. Because, like, we kind of get an inkling that, like, they might be dating now, but they're kind of secret. And Emma is the only one, I feel like, taking it seriously. Or, like, Quinn's taking it seriously because she obviously, like, wants to not have sex anymore after the baby thing. Uh, the Emma, baby. you know wants to make sure that celibacy is a viable option for teens who are not ready for intimacy. And she's like, okay, we're going to do these chastity charms, which are two necklaces. One of them is a little heart that has a lock symbol in it. And not the it, lock and key symbolism. It's too blatant. Yeah. And the other one's a key. And like, you can give out the lock or you can, she says you can give one of them to a person, but you keep the other one so that nobody can open the lock forever. And that's what keeps us safe. And then Rachel's like, well, I have some questions and just some things I'm curious about. And Emma's like, no, no, don't be curious. Don't be curious. Just don't have sex. Be celibate. And I'm that... going to say something and it's going to be a little bit bad. This was even this don't have sex was more sex out than I got. Well, I was about to say, like, this episode, like, it, obviously they're parodying, like, the celibacy-only, abstinence-only, quote-unquote, sex ed that, like, many conservative people preach, but, like, it doesn't feel like a parody because this literally feels like the sex ed that I got, where it was just like, don't talk about it. Don't, don't, if you have questions, no, you don't. Stop having questions. Just be celibate. 
And I would go yeah. like, okay, but what am I being celibate from? And they from. would go, just, just be celibate. Just don't have sex. Can you explain to me what that is? Yeah, what is it so I can avoid it? I don't know if you experienced this, but at least like from like the the idea that like, I don't know what sex, you know, you don't want me to know what sex is, but you do want me to know when I'm supposed to say no to a boy. It's in it's insanity, love. So obviously, you know, the celibacy club isn't doing great. And we cut into the teacher's lounge where Emma and Will are having a little chat um, about how, oh, no, the chastity charms aren't really catching on. And Emma says that people are using chastity charms as clip on nipple rings. That's kind of hilarious. But as they're talking about this, you know, Will says, you know, we just want to do whatever we can to make sure that celibacy is an option for these kids. And then Holly Holiday walks in and goes, that sounds pretty lame. Well, you know. And as Will notices her, he gets so excited to see her, jumps up, hugs her, and then tries to introduce Emma to her and forgets Emma's name. Kind of iconic, honestly. I wish I forgot Will Schuster's name, frankly. But so Holly comes in. She says she's replacing the health and wellness teacher because he is out with a mad case of the herp. You know, she's basically making the argument uh, that, you know, kids are going to have sex or like humans are going to have sex. So you need to educate people on things like condoms, STDs, STIs, because a lot of the kids, they do a little, a lot of the kids are not particularly educated on it and they do a little clip where she is going to show how to put a condom on a cucumber. And Finn goes, wait, cucumbers can give you AIDS? I, this episode, like there are episodes that are a trial on the human spirit. Then there's this episode. Yeah. It's a problem because like, I understand what they're trying to say here. They're just saying it so badly. The thing that I, that I just like mainly want to say is just that like, there's a difference between being celibate in the way emma wants to be celibate where she's like no one asks questions and like everyone's just gonna stay uneducated and that's the best way to like be celibate and then holly's being like no kids are gonna have sex so we need to do as much sexual talking around them as possible so that they have all the information possible and i'm just like isn't there a happy middle where we can maybe like encourage safe sex education but also not like pressure kids into sexual situations which I do kind of feel like is what happens in this episode yeah there's a difference between knowing you can find the information from someone you trust but like I feel like the basics of this is how reproduction works this is types of birth control if you have more questions you know where to find me that way like it covers the basis of then people know how to have safe sex but then also like they are informed about what not to do if they're they feel they aren't ready to have sex and that shouldn't be like a difficult concept to explain and yet glee this episode is like the two options are remaining completely uneducated or being super over sexual all the time sex riot (laughs) yeah or britney spears sex riot so anyway uh you know emma and holly are having this disagreement holly calls emma a crazy pope lady and she does make the argument you know think of the internet think of what these kids are exposed to and emma's like well that doesn't make it okay and that doesn't mean that uh they should get the message from us and she says it's not for kids and it's not for adults and she kind of like freaks out for a second and holly's like whoa 
you're just being naive. And I definitely think there's a level of naivete in uh, Emma's whole character, which we'll get even more into later. And I want to say, I feel like if the writers had just been a little bit more educated on asexuality and were more open to confirming that Emma is a sex-repulsed asexual character, that would make Emma's actions make way more sense this episode. Yep. Because, like, those people don't exist. Yeah, and, like, it's fine to not be comfortable talking about sex stuff. Maybe then don't put yourself in a situation where you're the leader of a club that talks about sex, Emma. We get to the next scene, and that is Brittany and Santana at their lockers, and they're talking about how, even though Brittany is dating Artie right now, she and Santana have still been, like, making out and, like, assumably having oral sex on the regular, and (laughs) Brittany says like oh it's not cheating because the the pipes work differently or something like that whatever it is it's like I know I know that Ryan Murphy is gay but that was homophobic well and here's the thing Brittany's like listen I would love to make out with you later but I haven't been feeling very sexy lately I have a bun in the oven please don't tell anyone Santana goes yeah sure and then immediately turns around tells Tina Tina tells Puck, Puck tells Lauren, and then Lauren goes, Lauren sees Artie in the hallway, goes, congratulations, your girlfriend's pregnant. Immediate cut into the choir room. And Will's like, all right, regionals are in a week. Hey, Artie, what's up? Artie goes, my life is over. How am I supposed to support a baby? And everyone's like, oh my God, Brittany's pregnant. And she's like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to upset you. I thought I could surprise you when I dropped him off. And everyone's like, wait, I dropped him off. And Brittany's like, yeah, three days ago, a stork built its nest on top of my garage. I'm not stupid. They're getting ready to bring me my baby. First of all, I don't. Storks are way too big to be making nests on top of a garage. Everyone's facial reactions to this scene are, I believe, the funniest camera angles Glee has ever shot. Can we just say also... Where is Heather Morris's Emmy? Where is Heather Morris's Emmy? Seinfeld, who? Friends, who? I only know comedy icon Heather Morris. So that's when Will realizes, like, okay, Holly's right. You know, these kids really are, like, clueless. Capital C, like, they okay, don't Okay, I do want to say, though, there's being clueless about sex, and then there's being Britney. Yeah, with Britney specifically... I feel that it is very important because it is canonical that she has made out with, if not had sex with, at least made out with every single guy in the school, had sex with, I would say, a good majority of them. That's what's implied. So, like, if you're going to have sex with that many people, you need to know what you're doing. It's a miracle that she hasn't gotten pregnant yet since we, she also doesn't know what protection is, as is confirmed when she's making out with Kurt and asks if they need a burglar alarm. I genuinely the luckiest bitch alive. Yeah, like that's insane. Anyway, we cut into Holly teaching a jazzercise class to, I guess, some of the teachers at McKinley. And they're just talking about like, oh, you know, we want to educate them, but we also just want to make sure we're not getting too graphic, right? Um, And Holly comes up with this plan of like, okay, we need to kind of sneak in the sex education lesson in a less provocative way 
because, you know, if we make it something less provocative and like still relatable to the teens, we can slip in good lessons about, say, like STDs, uh, birth control, that kind of thing. And she asks how Will's sex life is going. And he goes right now. questions to ask your coworker. <laughs> inappropriate. Um, and he he says he's the president of the celibacy club, meaning like, oh, I'm I haven't been dating anyone. I haven't been having sex. And Holly says like that is a waste of some fine man butt. Flat as literally a where? Literally where? It is inverted like a U. Open up your mind, Holly Holiday. Anyway, we cut into the choir room. And Will has written the word sexy on the whiteboard, which is just so... If I were in the Glee oh, Club, I would have stood up and left. Literally. Oh, my God. Like, this... Oh. You... Like, you've just had a conversation about how you need to, like, maybe teach the lesson in a less provocative way. And you immediately start by writing the word sexy on the whiteboard in front of a group of teenagers. Ah! Terrifying. He uh, starts talking to the students about how, you know, He's worried that, you know, a lot of them are lacking an understanding of adult relationships. Yeah, no, duh. They're teenagers. Um, So he needs to... Well, and even Rachel asks, like, is this the appropriate forum for this? And Will says... Will introduces uh, Holly Holiday, and she comes in fully about to roast everyone. And she goes, Finn, is it true that you thought you got your girlfriend pregnant via hot tub? And Brittany, you think that storks bring babies? Here's like kind of the other thing with that though. Not not to defend um Brittany, because that oh boy. Mm-hmm. But like Finn just like his girlfriend told him something and he trusted her. Why are we roasting him from for like it's stupid. It's so stupid. Like obviously that's not how any of that works. But like But he has not he has had no sex ed, so I mean I don't like the way they frame it in that it seems like they're shaming the kids for not knowing things when, like, how are they supposed to know things if no one taught them? I mean, that's fair. I think, you know, early on in the scene in the teacher's lounge, Holly makes the point, like, oh, the kids have internet these days. They're going to learn about it anyway. But I would say, like, you, it's hard to learn about it from the internet if you don't know the right questions to ask exactly because like i don't know i don't know what would come up if you just googled like what is sex probably not a comprehensive lesson lesson on the intricacies of adult relationships just just a thought so i actually because this is the person i am i actually googled what is sex great and it didn't even come up with like intercourse or anything it was literally the trait that determines uh whether a sexually produ- reproducing animal has male gametes or female ones, which is very cis-centric, but, like, it- No, that's, that is an exact example of, like, if you don't know the exact right question to Google, you're gonna come up with things that don't give you answers. Rachel, you know, raises a hand and is like, oh, what about those of us who choose to remain celibate? And she tries to hug Quinn, and Quinn pushes her away. So true, Quinn. So true. And Holly says- you know, I, I, and says she quote unquote admires the choice, but also thinks that she's naive and frigid and says, 
every intimate encounter that you're ever going to have is going to start with a touch. And she starts singing, Do You Want to Touch Me by Joan Jett, which is essentially a strip tease that she does in front of all of these minors. She takes off her jacket and she's wearing like a bustier underneath, like straight up lingerie. And she's dancing with Santana and Brittany, who thankfully are fully dressed. But like as the well, song as fully goes dressed on, as those fucking Cheerio uniforms make them. As the song goes on, everyone's like taking off an upper layer of their clothing too. Like it's very clearly like doing a strip tease to this song. How is this sex ed? I hate it here. And what's sad though is like this is horrifying to watch, but the cover is actually really good. There is something so deeply wrong with you. No, I like the cover. I'll listen to it. It's good. You don't like it? I'm going to be real. The only Gwyneth Paltrow cover I like is Party All the Time. You don't like the landslide? I like the landslide, but I don't consider it a Holly cover. I consider it a Britney and Santana cover. Okay, fair enough. I know that she, like, sings on it, but, like, it feel it's different to me. Okay. Well, anyway, so she ends the song and she says the line, Just remember, whenever you have sex with someone, you're having sex with everyone they've ever had sex with. Which, you know, is at least, that's something I heard in sex ed, at least. I don't know if that was something you were familiar with. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. I I do think that that line occasionally is used to be a little, like, slut-shaming, but is perhaps, it is, I think, something relevant for at least someone like Britney to know if Britney is planning on having sex with most of the people in the school. It's like, that's maybe something that she should consider. As far as STIs and STDs go. Yeah. We cut into Kurt and Blaine getting coffee at the Lima Bean and Sue is also there. She says, you know, she's just picking up some coffee because she likes her enemas piping hot. I hate everything about that sentence. Yeah, we all do. And she explains that she's taken over as the coach of oral intensity, of course. I don't know why Kurt and Blaine are needed for that scene, because then we just go straight into a Sue monologue where she explains, you know, Will Schuster has finally realized his team's Achilles heel is their utter lack of sex appeal. Lack of sex appeal where? Did we all forget about the Britney Spears sex riot? Did we all forget about Santana Lopez and bad romance? Did we all forget about Santana Lopez existing? Naya Rivera, you will always be famous. And so, like, the new directions are, you know, getting sexy. So the key to regionals is out-sexing them. I'm going to be real here. I am a person who is not very self-confident. I could out-sexy the new directions on my worst day. And, you know, Kurt and Blaine are like, okay, we're not going to be in cahoots with you about this. But they do sort of take it to heart. And Blaine says, okay, the Warblers now have to do something sexy. Okay. Sure. The biggest crime of this episode is that they went with animals instead of do you think I'm sexy for the Warblers cover. Oh, why the fuck did they go with animals? Okay, hold on. Um, We get into the next scene. And, you know, Emma is really upset with Will about, like, encouraging all of this sex talk with the kids and will goes hey you know you and your students are in the celibacy club why don't you guys come in and do a number um and it can be like a counter argument to holly and then we get into this terrible terrible subplot with lauren and puck lauren explains that her master plan in life is to um become a famous celebrity you know rachel wants to be a famous singer 
Lauren just wants to be famous. She wants to be a Kardashian and own a TV show. And so she wants to make a sex tape with Puck. And Puck's like, okay, hell yeah. Like, I I don't know if they've had sex yet because they are a couple, but um, Puck's on board with this idea. And then back to this whole Warbler situation where apparently they are performing for students of Dalton's sister school, Crawford Country, which is, you know, an all-girls school. And they're performing for this group of girls to test out if this song is, like, scream-worthy, makes their knees turn to jelly. And they start singing Animal by Neon Trees. And it is just perhaps one of the worst Warblers arrangement they ever do. Uh, yeah. Because, like, even When I Get You Alone had the redeeming quality of being good. Like, it was so cringe, I couldn't watch it and listen to it at the same time. But it sounds so good that I'm okay with it. Whereas this is just, dear God. And, like, it also feels weirdly unchoreographed, where it's just all these boys in their nice, nice suits, like, doing weird hip thrusts. And then it's a Kurt and Blaine duet. And Kurt has this like weird high part in his full soprano that respectfully is not sexy. Not, it's that, not. Anything, not that anything the kids do on the show, you know, are And like, sexy. here's the thing. There is a sexy way for Chris Colfer to hit one of those high notes. We've all seen The Boy Next Door. We've all seen Not The Boy Next Door. Uh, I feel it's important, like, flavor text for whatever I'm about to say, that I am holding a cup, uh, a mug of tea, um, and, like, gesturing in a very professor-on-Zoom manner. There is a sexy way to hit a high note. Aaron Tveit's version of Roxanne. This is a disaster. Yeah, it's like watching a train wreck. It also, it it sounds so auto-tuned that it's like you're not even hearing their real voices. Mm. And... You know, considering the Warblers are, like, famous for their beautiful acapella arrangements, this is just such a weird left turn. It sounds like I'm listening to, you know, it sounds like I'm listening to a fork in a garbage disposal. And yet, while they're singing, the girls are going ape shit for them, as many times audiences do for these glee clubs. And one of the girls... uh, For no goddamn reason. One of the girls gives Blaine her number afterwards. And, you know, he kindly turns her down and notices that Kurt uh, was making weird faces during the whole song. And Kurt's like, what do you mean? Those are my sexy faces. And Blaine's like, "Mm, I don't, I don't think you know what you look like. The, I just, I'm just going to say it. Um, The way that within the span of three seasons, we go from this Kurt to Kurt who could top fucking anyone he wanted. Chris Colfer's power. Chris Colfer's power. Um, and Kurt says, how am I supposed to get on stage on at regionals and sell sexy to the judges when I have as much sex appeal and knowledge as a baby penguin? And Blaine goes, we'll figure something out. We get back to Brittany and Santana. I actually, you know, I like the Brittany and Santana plot this episode, but this yeah. is where this is where they talk about like, oh, it's not cheating because the plumbing is different. Um, but Brittany says that she likes going out with Artie because when they're together, they talk about their feelings. And Santana's like, why? 
why do you want to talk about your feelings? It's better if you don't involve your feelings. It's better when you don't involve eye contact. Santana, there is something so wrong with you. Santana, you're a lesbian. We get into Lauren and Puck on the computer in the school library, I believe shopping for bed sheets. And, you know, Holly comes up behind them or, or I think Puck pulls Holly over and is like, can you help us out? Holly's like, yeah, absolutely. And they go, oh, we're going to make a sex tape so that Lauren can get a recording contract. And Holly, Holly being, you know, the taking the teaching, teaching moment as she sees it says, you know, I am impressed by your ambition and how comfortable you are with your bodies. But are you aware that because you're under 18 years of age, making and owning a sex tape would make you guilty of child pornography. Do not do this. Also says that she at one point made a sex tape with J.D. Salinger. When did J.D. Salinger die? Uh, 2010. At the age of? Um, at least 80. Jesus Christ. Well, and we're also... I might cut this out because I think it's just something uncomfortable to think about, but like this character being played by Mark Salling. Yeah. And that's all we're going to say on that. Mm-hmm. And um, we, as Holly, you know, walks away from that interaction, Santana and Brittany then pull Holly over and they go, we need your help as well. And um, she has Holly Holiday written- isn't qualified for this. It just needed to be said we can move on. Well, Holly Holiday is definitely not qualified for this, yet also seems like the most competent teacher this episode as far as like supporting the children through whatever journey they're going on. I definitely do think that they need to be encouraged to talk to their parents a little bit more. However, in the case of like Brittany and Santana, Brittany's parents are probably dumbasses and Santana's parents don't know that she's a lesbian. So I understand why they would like go to a teacher in this case. And, you know, they explain the situation to Holly. Uh, she asks them, you know, do either of you think that you might be a lesbian? Brittany says, I don't know. And Santana says, I mean, I'm attracted to girls and I'm attracted to guys. One time I had a sex dream about a shrub in the shape of a person. And Holly makes the excellent point that it's not about who you are attracted to. It's about who you fall in love with, which is a great point to make in discussions about sexuality. Yeah. And Brittany says, well, I don't know how I feel because Santana refuses to talk about it. And um, Santana brings up, you know, I am not ready to talk about my feelings, but I have the perfect song that I want to do. And Holly's like, gung-ho, great, we'll do it in Glee Club, I guess the next day or so. I've just got to say, the fucking whiplash going from biphobia incarnate in a TV episode. Uh Uh-huh to this episode where it's like well to that sentence where i just it genuinely first of all okay santana you can be attracted to men and women it's called bisexuality or pansexuality and it completely erasing discussions of trans people from this but like i know it was like 2010 and I think this is a great episode where if they had just been a little bit more open with like actually using the term bisexual, this would be a great moment to show the difference between like Santana is a compet lesbian who is in love with Brittany and has never loved a man in her life, as opposed to Brittany, who is um, 
you know, in love with Santana and in love with Artie. She is bi. She can have those feelings for both people. And mm. that's okay. And there's a difference in that. And it doesn't have to be one or you're gay or you're not gay. And also bisexual people are not diet gay. Right. Although um, that, that did make me laugh. And if someone were to make a diet Coke, diet gay shirt, uh, I would buy it because it is funny. So the next scene, back to uh, the curtain blame dilemma of it all. <sighs> They're in Kurt's bedroom. This scene is so cringe. I, I know, but we just have to get through it. This whole episode is cringe. Because it's uncomfortable watching, like, teens figure out things about their body. We're pretend teens. Blaine goes, all right, give me, give me sensual, but don't make fun of it. Like, really try. And Kurt, like, tries to make, like, a sensual face in the mirror, and he's failing horribly. And, you know, Kurt goes, like, it just makes me uncomfortable. I don't know how to be sexy, and I don't know... He basically says he doesn't even really want to learn about sex. He says he's tried watching, quote, those movies, referring to pornography, and he just gets horribly depressed and thinks about how they were all kids once and they all have mothers. And Blaine's like, okay, well, you know, maybe we should have a conversation about it. And Kirk goes, no, I don't want the graphic details. He says, that's why I like Broadway musicals, because a touch of the fingertips is as sexy as it gets. And once again, I would like to bring up Aaron Tveit's high note in Roxanne. Aaron Tveit! Aaron Tveit in Moulin Rouge! End of sentence. And, you know, Blaine's like, well, you're gonna have to learn someday, and Kurt's like, well, that, not today. I don't wanna. Um, and then we get to this little setup scene where Will wants to do the song Kiss by Prince as a tango, and he goes, oh, well, I just want to make sure it's appropriate for the kids to do to do in, in class. And I just, I, if you're worried a song is going to be too sexual, maybe don't do it. Maybe the answer is probably yes. Yeah. And they start. And unfortunately, this, the song Kiss by Prince slaps in the first place. And so, like, this cover is pretty good, too, I would argue. It's not, like, amazing, but it, the song is good, so the cover is good. It does open, though, with just the worst shot of Will Schuster doing the uh at the beginning. And I'm not going to try to do an actual impression of it because I don't want to. And they do a lovely little tango. It's well choreographed. There are two other couples there. I guess paid dancers? Where did these dancers come from? They're also adults. It makes me uncomfortable on so many levels. Why are they doing this? They're supposed to perform it in front of the children? I think the fuck not. Um, and they kiss at the end because it's just so sexually charged they can't resist. And Will says, you know, go out with me, Holly. And Holly says, no, you don't want any of this. I'm damaged goods. Which, as a concept about a person, again, I hate it. Honestly, I think part of this episode should analyze some of maybe Holly's own inner slut shaming where she goes like, Oh, well, you know, you married your high school sweetheart and then you went out with a virgin. So, you know, you don't want me. I'm too, you know, crazy and busy and I'm too much for you. I just had a thought about, um, and maybe I'm way off base here, but I had a thought about the, the people that Will has dated in the past with the comment about his high school sweetheart and a virgin. Does Will only like women that he can infantilize or see as like teenagers? Will only likes women that he can help. 
Yeah. Or just like a general level of inexperience. I wouldn't say it's inexperience. I would say it's him wanting to fix them. Case in point, why he's interested in Holly as well. Because he's like, oh, I can make Holly better. Why is Will Schuster? Why do Will Schuster? Why do men? Why are Will Schuster? And then, honestly, why does this episode feel so flip-floppy? I don't even know. Maybe just because there's so many plot plot lines going on. Back to Blaine. Blaine is, you know, approaching Bert in the tire shop. And we actually get some interesting Blaine background here where Bert says to hand him the carburetor. And Blaine knows exactly what that is and, like, what it looks like. And he talks a little bit about, like, oh, his dad, you know, used to try to bond with him over, like, car stuff. But now he and his dad are not that close and you know assumably because of the gay thing like his dad doesn't want to talk to him about any sort of dating or love life stuff what's interesting too is you know blaine is set up as this gay guy who is not particularly effeminate like kurt is and um he likes stuff like cars he likes working out um not that those are inherently masculine things, but, you know, culturally we understand them as traditionally masculine. And, you know, I think it is kind of powerful for Blaine to be saying, like, it is your job as a father, Bert, to take the initiative and talk to Kurt about this. Because, you know, Kurt is Kurt is not going to get the sex ed he needs from the school. Certainly not. If anything, the schools that do discuss sex ed, they certainly don't talk about what it's like for gay kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because Bert and Kurt have such a beautiful father-son relationship, you know, why not use that to your advantage here and, like, have an open and honest discussion with your son? And Blaine makes a very good point, you know, the internet is great with all the information out there, but Kurt will not is not the kind of person who will go searching for the information and one day when he's at a party and is a little tipsy he's not going to know what to do about protection or what to do about stds and it is really important that you take the initiative to um have that discussion with kurt and i just want to say the cinnamon cartography of blaine going sorry if i'm overstepping and Bert going, you are. And then it, where, where he says you are in kind of a, a gruff manner to spurn Blaine off. But you can tell there's still an introspection in Bert where he is like really considering all the things that Blaine has said. And considering like how he needs to step up in this moment and like be the mature one in this situation. And then we hear the opening chords of Landslide. Oof. It hits. It really does. It really hits. And then this cover, it's the Chicks version. It's a beautiful arrangement. Some might argue better than the original Stevie Nicks. Some Just might. A- I wouldn't. I. It depends on the day for me. Depends on the day. Sometimes I'm feeling the Stevie Nicks version that's just very, like, raw and, like, torn to shreds. And then sometimes I just, that triple harmony really gets you. Heather Morris's alto harmony in this song is immaculate. Put some respect on altos. I love it. They're exchanging, you know, these beautiful looks throughout the song. And then Holly and Will are also kind of sharing looks. Santana starts to tear up at the end. And Brittany goes like, is that really how you feel? Honestly, I don't know if it's like the best song ever to explain their situation. But the vibes are the best ever. 
Yeah. Like, the lyrics do not exactly match the situation by any means. But it hits! But yeah, it the hits. vibes hit. And Rachel, head up her own ass as always, goes, can I just applaud this trio for exploring the uncharted world of sapphic charm? Uncharted by whom, Rachel? Uncharted by whom? Just you, basically. Well, not just her, but you know what I mean. And then Santana says, you know, look, just because I sang a song with Britney doesn't mean you can put a label on me, which I do think is a good message to send. However, I will say, Santana, you're a massive lesbian. And that's fine. <laughs> and that's fine. And then we get back into the celibacy club where uh, we find out that Puck has joined. And Rachel goes, are you lost? And Quinn says, yeah, you don't belong here. You're the biggest French whore of them all. Puck explains, like, okay, after this whole thing about making the sex tape, uh, I've hit rock bottom and I've come here to set myself straight. And Emma is being very encouraging and she explains, you know, we're going to do this song in Glee Club. And Puck says, oh, but we need one more dude. And we go into the cover of Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band, which uh, freaking Carl is there as well to be like an extra guy. And you know it's a song i happen to think this song is quite catchy uh the glee cover of it is awful as most glee covers that are trying to be ironic are the song itself just makes me like deeply uncomfortable i think because of the vibes i think here's the thing i think that afternoon delight itself is a parody where it's and so they're trying to do a parody as a parody and it's just not meshing well Brittany gives a standing ovation. Good for her. Good for her. Everyone else is extremely confused, though. Uh, and Holly goes like, hey, isn't this a strange song for the celibacy club to sing? Oh, just in case anyone doesn't know the song Afternoon Delight, it's about having sex in the afternoon. Having a midday uh, quickie. Yeah. And Emma's like, oh, but it's ho- so wholesome. It's written to celebrate America and fireworks. And Holly's like, no, it's about having sex in the middle of the day. And even Carl is like, yeah, Emma, that's definitely what it's about. And as they dismiss the Glee Club, Carl approaches Holly and is like, hey, we need to come to your office hours. Do substitute teachers have office hours? Do high school teachers have office hours? We get back to the Kurt and Bert situation where Bert has picked up some pamphlets for Kurt from the free clinic. Uh, because he's decided they're gonna have the talk and Kurt's like no 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 no, I don't wanna and Bert actually has a lovely little monologue here where he says you know it's gonna suck for both of us but we're gonna become better men because of it and you know the mechanics of what you're doing is gonna be covered in the pamphlets but I want you to know you can come to talk to me about it I will say he is kind of like shucking the responsibility off here onto the pamphlets he's kind of just saying like go read those and then come back to me instead of like actually talking to him about it. You could also see this as him not wanting to push Kurt's boundaries too much because there's a difference between like reading about something and like actually talking about something. Yeah. And then he does make, he makes two points. One that I think is good. One that I think is kind of the first being that, you know, when you have sex with someone, you are opening yourself up to being intimate, to being vulnerable. And that is very scary. So it's very important to like, know that you're having sex with someone that you trust a good point to make to your son Mm -hmm. the second point he makes though is that like men and women are so different with guys it's just two people who think that sex is just sex women think differently and women think 
uh, are, you know, have sex connected to feelings. And I don't want to make too many generalizations. I do think there is something to be said about like the way men and women perceive sex. But to say to your son, you know, it's dangerous for you to be gay because it's two men having sex and you're only going to think of it as physical and not emotional at all. Like, Kurt can have emotional sex if he wants to. If he wants to. If he wants to. Honestly, you could absolutely make the argument that Kurt is an asexual character. I would make that argument. I know you would. I would not, but I know you would. I would make the argument he's a spectrum. I would go, I'm okay with Demi for him, personally. Yeah. Bert gets a little, maybe a little slut-shamey at the end where he says, you know, don't throw yourself around like you don't matter because you matter, Kurt. And there definitely are some people who like use being sexually active as like a means of self-harm. And that is a valid thing to talk about. But also like just because a person has a high, high body count doesn't mean they don't care about themselves. And as long as everyone involved is consenting and having fun, then whatever. We get back into this discussion with Holly and Emma and Carl where Holly Holly is basically giving them like marriage counseling, which she is not qualified for. Not goes, in any way, shape, or form. She goes, I hear you guys are having some problems. And Emma says, I wouldn't call them problems. And Carl says, no, they are. They are problems. And he describes that, you know, they've been married for four months and still have not had sex. And I don't think the shaming on Emma this episode is appropriate. It's not warranted. It's not needed. I do think that Emma needs to do some self-reflection and, you know, ask herself, hey, if I'm not comfortable having this, having sex with this man that I've been married to for four months, maybe I shouldn't have married him. Maybe. You know, I do, I do think that self-reflection is necessary. However, I don't think that, like, Carl being like, oh, well, we haven't had sex in four months, so you must not care about me, is, I feel like, really unfair as well. And, like, this is not to say that, like, asexual people can't get married. I know many asexual people who are very happily married to their partners. I have not pried into the details of their sex life within those marriages. But, like, I feel like that's something that if you know that about yourself, like, you can still have a healthy, happy, fulfilling life. And there's no shame in not wanting to have sex. There's shame in not communicating that to someone. And also, maybe it's something you should have talked about before you got married. Carl and Emma got married really fast. Yeah. Um, so Emma describes like, okay, well, me and Carl cuddle a lot and we watch, you know, our favorite TV shows. And Carl's like, you know, I try being romantic with her, but every time I touch her, um, she moves away from me. And even Holly says like, okay, I'm not a doctor, but I think there's an important question here. And she asks Emma, are you still in love with Will Schuster? And she just says, I'm very confused about my feelings and which is obviously, you know, very hard for Carl to hear. And Carl says, you know, you can stay at the condo. I will be at uh, the Radisson, which I assume is like a hotel or something. Yeah, it's gotta be. And Emma asks that Holly not tell Will about this. And uh, that's kind of where we leave that. If it were any other character, they would immediately tell Will about this. But as it happens, Holly Holiday does have a modicum of self-restraint. And then we get perhaps one of the most heart, definitely the most heart wrenching scene of the episode. But I quite like this, quite like this as a Brittany and Santana moment where Santana, you know, comes up to Brittany in the hallway 
and says, I've been doing a lot of thinking and I've realized why I'm such a bitch all the time. (laughs) I'm a bitch because I'm angry and I'm angry because I have all of these feelings for you that I'm afraid of dealing with. She's kind of trying to like get the words out and says, you know, I want to be with you, but I'm afraid of what people will say about me and how people look at me because you know what happened to Kurt at this school. And Brittany's like, oh, well, if anyone makes fun of you, you know, you would kick their ass. And Santana says, you know, it's not just that, though. They're going to say things about me behind my back, but I have to accept that I love you. And I don't want to be with Sam or Finn or any of those other guys. I just want to be with you. Please say you love me back. And Brittany says, of course, I love you. And I would totally be with you if it weren't for Artie, because I love him too. And I don't want to hurt him. There has not been a lot of development for Artie and Brittany's relationship. There really hasn't. And it kind of pisses me off. Yeah. Like, I I don't necessarily see the evidence here for like why Brittany is so in love with Artie. But I do respect her saying like, no, I'm going to stay with Artie in this moment because it would not be right for me to just like leave him for you. Yeah. However, she's also been cheating on Artie with Brittany, with Santana for like several months now, I assume. Now that there's feelings evolved, apparently we can feel bad about it. And, you know, she says, if Artie and I were to ever break up and you were still single, like then it'd be fine. And And Santana is obviously like heartbroken about this. She's crying. And she does say something biphobic. She says, whoever thought that being fluid meant that you could be so stuck. And she shoves Brittany off of her and walks away. And then Lauren and Puck come together in the hallway. And Puck explains, you know, I do a lot of stupid, stupid things. One time I swallowed a thumbtack. Um, I don't think about the consequences. So it was time for me to make a change in my life. And I really you know, I like you, Lauren, I want to be wooing you. So and if that makes me a nerd, fine. And Lauren kisses him and says, fine, I'm joining the celibacy club too. It's like cute moment for them, I guess. But also, it just feels weird and kind of forced. Well, and like, they're definitely still hooking up with each other. So why are why do they need to join the celibacy club? Um, And then speaking of like, people who are still hooking up, we get a little foray into the celibacy club where um rachel has now taken over for miss pillsbury because she uh, needs to fix her sham of a marriage and puck asks quinn which the fact that she uses that word is like both the most rachel thing i can imagine and also funny as hell yeah and then puck asks quinn where'd you get the hickey and quinn goes it's not a hickey i burnt myself on a curling iron and Brittany says the key is to use the curling iron in the bathtub to keep you from getting burnt. And then we get a little um, cutaway scene where we find out that Quinn and Finn are indeed together. And, you know, they're kind of avoiding her mom. Uh, and Quinn says, we have two months until prom. So we have plenty of time to campaign for prom king and queen. And Finn goes, But that's not all this is about, though, right? This is definitely all that it's about for her. Absolutely. And Quinn says, Quinn does say, look, I made I made a mistake with Puck. You should have been my first. This is where I belong. And, you know, they agree on that. It's very sweet. But I will say, as we have mentioned, you know, being a compulsory heterosexual this episode, like, 
are we not going to talk about how Quinn, past season one, Quinn really only likes guys when they can, when they have some sort of social advantage for her, much like Santana. I would like to say, though, have you considered that they are boys in high school and no one's enjoying being with them? You're right, and you should say it. I just feel like, you know, the direct evidence here is like, okay, I really only want to be with Finn because he means, because being with Finn means that I get to be prom queen. We get back to a little scene with Holly and Will um, where she's having to leave the school because parents complained. But, you know, at least we taught the kids some good stuff this week. And Santana and Brittany have- Did we? I, I don't fucking know, man. I do think Santana and Brittany got taught a lesson about like open opening up about their feelings a little bit. I feel like everyone else kind of just like yeah. walked around in a circle and did nothing. We got some good covers out of it. Holly says, you know, I'm getting older too. And maybe I should try a relationship that lasts longer than 36 hours. And she does hint that she likes Will, but she says seeing another woman with the hots for you made me kind of jealous. And Will's like, wait, what? Boy, at this point, if you haven't figured it out, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know, man. And that's the end of the episode. And um, I feel like no, barely any morals have been taught except for like another good Bert scene with Kurt and another progression of the Santana-Brittany relationship. So like net good question mark? Heavy question mark, but agree. Um, Best cover this episode is definitely Landslide. Yeah, if they had d- had the courage to do Do You Think I'm Sexy, I would have said it was that. I would have made an argument for that. However, they did not. They chickened out, so. Yeah, which also means that Animal is the worst cover this episode. Yep. And Will Schuster, you know, hasn't done anything illegal. <laughs> Actually, no, it is illegal. It definitely is illegal to talk about sex with, with your students. I just, I'm tired. It. You know what felt illegal? The Do You Want to Touch Me performance. That's basically a striptease. Agree. And I do like Holly Holiday. I do think she would have been a better main character than Will Schuster, but I even I can't support her actions this episode. Yeah, this this one's rough. So next week we actually get into my favorite Glee episode. Not the best, I want to say, but just one that I personally like, which is original song, in which we get back to this plot where Rachel's been writing music this whole time, apparently. I mean, I want to say I'm looking forward to it, but also I don't want to lie. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SingSationsPod. That is S-I-N-G-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. You can leave us reviews wherever that is possible. I have only ever used Spotify and iTunes, so I don't know if you can do it other places. We would love to read them. You can also vote in our Spotify polls, which happen every time we release an episode. So true. I had forgotten about that because I'm not as smart as you are. Hey, we both run a Glee podcast. It's okay. There is no, this is not a place of honor. 